Hey parents, it's Robin McMahon here. Before you dive into this episode, I want to say thank you. Thank you for listening to my show, Parenting Our Future. And did you know that you can watch this show as well on YouTube? If you want to watch this episode instead of listening to it, you can head over to my YouTube channel, Parenting for Connection, where you will find all of my podcast episodes as well as a library of my videos that have tips and parenting strategies on how to parent even the most difficult kiddos. You will learn how to get better behavior, better listening, so that you can feel more calm and confident in your parenting no matter what you're facing. So I hope to see you over on YouTube. Now back to the show. And we're talking about a really serious situation right now that is affecting so many children. And let's face it, our children are our future. And so I have Janelle Jones. She's an early education entrepreneur currently operating multiple early, early learning centers, which specialize in providing high quality learning experiences to children who experience trauma in low income areas. She has expertise with families for the last decade where she currently hosts private discussions with other foster and adoptive parent on current issues affecting the non-traditional home. Through her life experiences, passion is the source by which she governs herself to make a difference. The goal is not to be perfect, but to assist others in rising through difficulties. Janelle's blueprint for success can be summed up in a few statements. I love this, be tenacious, be kind, be loving, but most of all, be forgiving. Beautiful. And she's the author of a book called Shattered. So we're here talking about the foster care system, the adoptive, the adoption system that we have. And I just really want to welcome you. Thank you for talking about this. And also thank you for doing the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So, you know, you are from Arizona, uh, and you know, my listeners know I'm Canadian and I'm from Vancouver. And, uh, so there are some differences in our systems, but there are too many similarities. So this conversation that we're having really does touch upon every area. Uh, and it's something that we all need to really be aware of because these kids are going to be a part of our lives and society. There will be our coworkers, our friends, or, you know, maybe uh, people, you know, uh, in our, it, that we have relationships with. And so there's a lot of trauma that can happen in an adoptive relationship or foster relationship. And so we're going to talk about all of that first and foremost. So I want you to tell us about your family. What brought you here? What brought you to this work? Um, what does your family look like? So I am um, the mom of seven children. Wow. Um, I have, yeah, right. I have three that I gave birth to. I have two bonus. Um, so my bonus is um, my daughter um, that my husband had when um, we started dating and got married. And then my nephew is also my bonus child. Mm -hmm. um, we brought him in um, when he was in seventh grade. But he's always been a part of my life. Um, and then we adopted too. So my youngest two were adopted. Okay. So that makes up our family of seven. And we reside in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, we are very active with our church. Um, we just do things a big family does. So we're always in the, you know, when my kids were younger, we were always in the midst of everything. We were a family that 
I was definitely a, I was not a soccer mom. I was a basketball mom. And, ah. you know, I have my, my childcare centers. Um, we focus on zero to 13, but really my work is zero to two. I have two early Head Start grants in which we provide free childcare for low income children. Um, and we really try to change the trajectory of their lives. You know, we try, we, the, one of the, one of the things that is said is that if you, the impact of high quality childcare, what it can do to a child that has been born into poverty. And so I do a lot of work in regards to that as well. Hmm. So did this work start for you when you uh, adopted your two? No. So when I started having children, um, I couldn't afford childcare, honestly. So I started, I became a stay home mom. And then I started taking in other people's children who were my friend's children because they were all struggling to find childcare. So I became that person. And then my business grew as my daughter, my, the last one I gave birth to when she went away, when she was going to kindergarten, I was like, oh, I'm going to go back to work. But I ended up, um, buying my first childcare center. Oh, fantastic. Okay. Now you, how old were your two that you adopted when you adopted them? So my, the first one I adopted, we brought him home from the hospital at three days old. Okay. And he does have autism. Um, and then Mercy, who is, who we talked about in the book, she mm. was eight when we got her. Okay. And so she has been an education for you. Definitely. How old is she now? She is now 16. Okay. And her and my youngest son, they're only a year apart. So when I brought her in, you know, he was nine and it should have been, to me, it was like a great fit. You know, they're one year apart. Um, my son is five years younger than the last one I gave birth to, um, four years younger than my nephew. So he was kind of always like a little bit, you know, he was the baby. And yeah. so I thought, oh, you know, is a bonus and bringing Mercy in, these two will be one. They'll, they'll be this perfect team because they're one year apart. They'll be very close. And with um, my son being autistic, I was like, and she can look out for him. Right. right. So it, you know, that's the, it's the Sounds best great. of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounded and then, great. <laughs> and then, and then, yeah. <laughs> and then reality sets in and what yes, else? Yes. So, so can you just sort of encapsulate a little bit of the journey that you've had with Mercy? Yeah, so when we brought Mercy in, Mercy is definitely a child who is strong-willed and she can be a challenge, but that is not unusual for me. You know, I work with children. I, I work with difficult kiddos. It's not, I'm up for a challenge. And I gave birth to a kid like that, you know? So it's, yeah, not, so it's not independent of that, of coming from an adoptive family or a foster family, right? Is what you're right. saying. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting because a lot of people see me with her and they're like, oh, only you are her mother. Like you get her. And I don't know if it's that as much of one of the things I've learned in early childhood is in developing a relationship with a child, you need to 
earn their respect before you mm. come in and boss them around, right? So you're dealing with a child that's going to have trust issues because she's mm-hmm. in the system. So she's not with her family. And you need to establish that relationship before you immediately come in as the authority figure or the disciplinarian, right? You have right. to gain trust. And, and I don't think that, a lot of people do that. Sorry, mm-hmm. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Is that attachment too? Yeah, I it is attachment, but it's definitely attachment, but it's you have to form a relationship. I think it's hand in hand with attachment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a, fr- a friend of mine, she is an adopted mom. Uh, she's, she's adopted a boy and now they're foster parents. And uh, you know, she said, man, if there is an attachment, you know, and, and really you're saying the same thing, there isn't relationship, there isn't trust. You've got nothing, You've got nothing. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. So so your, your, your daughter came to you as like, as a full package of lots of stuff. And, and, and so her journey has included some mental health stuff. Uh, like she mm-hmm. came with some baggage. Is that fair yeah. to say? She did. And there was a big part for the first couple of years of figuring out, is it mental health or is it other things because mercy had 21 placements before she got to us. Right. And then there was a lot of the story that was not told when Mm. we took mercy in, we didn't know she had a twin brother. What? Yeah. When we took her in, we didn't know she had a twin brother. And in the book, I describe what I found out with the twin brother, which was, you know, which was horrendous and nobody told us. So there's pieces that we're finding out in the journey that I didn't know about, but they also just make me want to protect and love and care for this child because these are the things that no child should have to endure. Well, I just did the math. It's four and a half placements a a year of your life from Mm -hmm. zero to eight. Whoa. I think it's even, but it's more complicated if you really think about it. She went into the system at three, right? She started school at five. It's even faster. So so even worse. So when I'm getting her, she can't, she's having trouble with school. Yeah. And of course she's having behavior. So Mm -hmm. I'm having trouble as a parent figuring out, is this because she doesn't have an educational foundation? Because of Mm -hmm. course there's frustration. Like I can't keep up with my grade. There was so, there was just such a, yeah, there was so, if I, if I fix this piece, is this going to make it better? But there was such a huge onion, elephant, whatever analogy to tackle. It took a long time to figure it out. And unfortunately, there was a lot of information purposely withheld that could have helped me with that journey. Why purposely? Because they said that if I would have known her past, I would have never adopted her. Oh my goodness. Whoa. And that is the way we're governed here. Okay. They're so not going to tell me. That leads me to just the f- adoptive, the adoption of foster care system in general. Ha. Like, 
tell me what that system is like and, and, and how broken it is. You know, interesting enough. So for a while, I think there was plausible deniability, right? Mm. Um, We didn't know, but in the book, I just, in the journey, I come in contact with her biological siblings Mm -hmm. and I describe why. And then I find out in talking to them, there's like 10 of them. There's actually probably more, but I know there's like 10 and I ended up talking to two of them. Right. Well, we know they knew her past because they're still foster care kids Mm. and all the records are court documents where they describe the abuse and the trauma that they have undergone, which nobody told me about. Wow. Wow. So, okay. So who is doing that to her? Is that her own family that did that? And, and I know we're not just talking about mercy. We're talking about really the system. I just, you know, you hear of these stories all the time, not all the time, but all the time uh, Mm -hmm. about kids in the system, you know, going from place to place, like you never want your kid in the system, that they are abused. They are, uh, they, they are put in families that have ulterior motives. Like maybe they're a paycheck. I mean, I, I, I don't even want to say these things. I'm just saying what I have heard, what I, you know, what I envision. Um, but then I look at this friend of mine who had to go through a rigorous training process to become a foster parent including parenting classes and they are wonderful, wonderful parents already. And then they went through all of this to become foster parents. So like, how does this all fall apart? And you said plausible deniability, but who is, who is the champion for these children? I don't think there is a champion. I don't think there is a champion. I think that's the problem. So as a person who owns a couple childcare centers, there's, there's words we use, best practice, whole child, continuity of care, right? Mm. There, there's training we have to have. Why? Because as parents, when we go off to work, we want mm. the best for our children. Of course. But the problem is whatever circumstance landed these children into the system, they lost their parents. And whether, whether that parent was, well, most of the time, they're not going to be the great model parent anyway, Mm -hmm. correct? I mean, if if they've been taken away, we can, we can say that. Um, I think we all can agree. But instead of making it better, I get, we can do nothing about what was going on in that child's life before they got there. But we have a responsibility that once we take possession of a child, whatever state, whatever country we're in, that we should make their lives better or we need to leave them where they were at. If we're Mm. not going to make it better, we should not bring them into the system and continue the abuse. And I think we need protections, not only for the children, we need protections for the families. I didn't write my book to discourage adoption, even though it's a very painful, real honest story. I wrote it because the conversation needs to happen. This is not okay. People are not being held accountable. Mm -hmm. Who's making these decisions to do these awful things? 
you know, when we buy a house in a, in the United States, I don't know about Canada, there's something called disclosure. Yeah. You get to know when there's a flood or if yeah. there was a fire, if somebody died in the house, but I can adopt a whole person and you get to withhold vital information. Whoa. Good point. Wow. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's punishable if you withhold that the roof is leaky, but not yeah. punishable if this child comes with extreme trauma. Wow. Right. And so, trauma can have a bigger impact on your family. If you don't know that the child has been exposed to sexual abuse and you're bringing them to your own children, you're not putting protections in place. Like, how is that? Okay. Okay. So here's what I don't understand. How is it that so and, and, and I'm going to say this, not fully knowing if I'm out of line or not in saying it. So I just want to preface it by saying this, but why does it seem like so many foster families are broken and why are so many, okay, again, I don't know the numbers, but why does it seem that so many kids are being abused through these foster families? Is it the system that's failing them? Is it the families that are failing them? Is it all of it? Like, is it because the kids are so difficult that their formative years, they've just kind of like, I get it. Like kids are hard. A typical child is hard enough to raise. Never mind a child that has been through stuff. And maybe they have fetal alcohol syndrome. Maybe they have, uh, you know, they have something else going on with them, but why is there so much abuse? I don't understand. Right. You know, I feel that it's possibly a combination of everything. Yeah. So I think we are, you know, when we bring foster and adoptive care kids in, a lot of us are told this fairy tale. Oh, you know, and mm -hmm. I thought, I describe it in the book. I thought that um, I'm going to bring her in. I'm going to give her pretty bows and I'm going to give her big, pretty dresses and I'm going to fill her belly with food and she, we're going to. I'm going to get her tutoring and we're going to live happily ever after, right? That Because it's going to be great. But what we don't understand is the impact of trauma. We don't understand the impact of fetal alcohol syndrome. And you don't, you can't even research or try to figure those things out if you're not told and they know it, right? Yeah. And now you're, you're back at square one trying to peel the onion when actually yeah. people know they've just held it back. And a very real conversation that needs to be had. And again, the, the, when we're bringing the children in and we're trying to work with them and we're trying to get them the help that they need, we're experiencing trauma too. Yeah. You know, yeah. so we're experiencing trauma. Our children are experiencing trauma. And even if we're in this for the long haul, we, <laughs> we, we our mental health is, is questionable too. Because anybody with empathy is only going to be able to watch it. And I mean, what kind of person can watch and experience a child that has been through so much, so much hell, for lack of a better word, mm -hmm. and you're, you're not impacted, you know, so, and then, and some of these kids are difficult. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. They're, they're difficult, right? A hundred percent. And so, uh, and, and look, I, I get that, you know, like my beautiful oldest child was born to me in, in that way, really difficult kid. And you could see that if a different set of parents raised him, you know, he, he could 
be abused. He's explosive. He's angry. His mm -hmm. behavior is very triggering. Um, so I really get that. And so what you're saying is, cause I don't want to throw good people under the bus either. You know, you're saying that a lot of these adopted families, uh, and foster families, they go in with this fairy tale idea of how this can go for them. And then they face the reality and it's so hard and they don't have the skills to navigate parenting this child and oftentimes they have their own children too right is that yeah. is that fair to say I I think that's very fair to say because I feel um when you go through the foster care classes here everybody paints it as rainbows and unicorns right really and they may say oh well you know sometimes it's a little difficult but you know hang in there <laughs> you're it's not, not just a little difficult yeah yeah, you're not set up for success. Well, and and you you and I were talking uh, as I do with all my guests before we hit record, and you really compared this to when uh, when there was a real sort of boom, if you will, of uh, of people in the U.S. and Canada adopting babies from Russia, and you heard of those Romanian babies as well that were not cared for at all, literally left in their cribs crying, were never cuddled, were, were never um, comforted. And that has been so damaging to them because, it, and it's called RAD, right? Uh, mm -hmm. that, that, that's, that is the result. Uh, but what happens is in those formative years, the brain is also developing. And if you don't develop the, the, the pathways for empathy because you've never received it, it means you don't have it, right? It's not that it can't be learned, but you're a seriously lacking mentally, emotionally, and oftentimes physically because they've been just left to, to sort of fester in, in a crib. Yes. And so that's like what these kids have experienced too. Yes. You know, if you are not able to bond with somebody because my daughter, 21 placements from three to eight, right? Who are you attaching to? Who is, who's creating the bond? Yeah. You know, what when I remember, yeah. And we know those studies about those children. We know mm -hmm. what they did. Maybe we've forgotten. Maybe we need some reminders, right? Of, mm -hmm. of how bad it was getting when everybody was running over and going to get the kids and bringing them back. And they were like, ah, what do I do with this? But we know what it does, but we're still doing it. We're doing it differently, but we're doing the same thing. That's devastating. So we're no better. That's yeah, we're no better. We and we know better, but we're not doing better. And this really adds up to the ACE score that everybody has, which is your adverse childhood experiences. And we know the higher your ACE score, the more chances are you will live in poverty, be homeless, be incarcerated, be addicted. And we're, and we're seeing that. And we're, we're seeing, seeing that with our homeless population, with how many foster and adoptive care kids that are homeless now. We're seeing it. And, and so you, you even mentioned this about, um, about someone who they, it was, it was a child who 
needed mental health care. There wasn't room for them. So the child was put into juvie. Yes. Was put yes, in a jail. In jail. There, we house our children that meet, need mental, in the state of Arizona, we house our children that need mental health services in juvenile detention because we can't find placement for them. Because, and, and because they are so, their behaviors are so intense that no family will take them. Is that also why? That's awesome. And no hospital will take them. You know, in my journey, um, I describe it in the book, we're going, I'm looking for mental health services for my child and I'm going, and mind you, I'm using her state insurance and I'm using her private insurance. So because I adopted her, I had two insurances, which a lot of people don't, right? If you're foster, you don't have that. And I'm, you know, and I'm trying to do it. I'm looking, looking for like five-star mental health facilities Mm. and I'm calling because you are the epitome of trauma, right? You're a trauma. And they, and they, and basically I get there and they're like, no, we can't take her. She's got psychosis. She's got too much trauma, too much trauma. What do you want? A private school trauma kid? Like, Mm. yeah. Who do you, you, you want little trauma. You don't want big trauma. So what, what do we do? You can't find the help. You can't find the services you need. And I'm definitely a person who wants the best for my children. In the end, I was like, if you have no stars, if you have negative stars, just take her because I don't have a choice. What am I going to do to keep myself, my family safe? So, so So, the quality goes down and down and down. just, it's just like somebody take her. Somebody, yeah, take somebody take anybody, her. anybody, never mind the best. The best won't take them. Okay. So then I'll just keep going down the list. Yeah. Yeah. And I did state to state, place to place. And nobody wants to take our children. And for, and you just said that because you adopted her, you had insurance, but foster parents don't have insurance. So would they pay out of their pocket if they wanted to get so we have state insurance that oh, okay. every in Arizona, every child adopted gets to keep state insurance right until they're 18. But it's not, I haven't had the, I mean, maybe other people have a better experience, but in my experience, it has not been the greatest, mm. um, except for they do provide mental health services. But what I found is one of the things you know, when you bring a child in that needs mental health and you've got to find a psychologist or a counselor or whatever, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, there's bonds that need to form. There's attachment because yeah. there's relationships. And what I found on the state level insurance side is we get a lot of the newer counselors. Mm-hmm. Once they get the training and once they get the expertise, they're gone to make more money with private agencies. Oh. Yes. And then our children are left with new therapists. Yeah. And that happens here too. That happens here. And I've literally said those words. Don't give me anybody that's fresh out of school and new and nice because my kid will walk all over them. Right. And I have a child with severe trauma, so I shouldn't have the newbie anyway. You need some experience that's other than book work when you're dealing with this. This is major trauma. Yeah. Major trauma. 
So, okay. So we've really painted a bit of a dire picture, which is important for us to recognize and know what we're dealing with. So what are the solutions? What is it that we need to do to, to, you know, because look, these kids, there is a homeless crisis, a homelessness crisis, and there's a mental health crisis. And there's got to be a way to deal with this before it becomes that devastating of a problem before their life ends early, because that's probably what's going to happen. They'll die because of homelessness, because of drug addiction, addiction and overdoses, because of violence and, and crime. How do we save these children? What do we do? You know, we need to talk about the problem, have real conversations so we can come up with real solutions. This is not a problem that anybody is going to be able to fix. And the issue is that it's been allowed to get this big, right? It's huge now and it's growing. So it's going to continue to get big. And it's more than just them dying because we may say, oh, I don't need to worry about that. But really they're putting us at risk too, because they have mental health issues. What happens when you or your loved one encounters them? What if they become violent towards you? Because we're not looking at the problem proactively. Mm. We They actually say, we'll deal with it when it becomes a problem. Well, we'll, we'll deal with it when it's necessary. Necessary is criminal activity because we're not picking them up for shoplifting. We, we're going to pick them up for something bigger. So it's, it's an everybody problem. And, mm. and if it's not an everybody problem, what happens if they have more children and then those children end up in the system and, you know, the cycle is continuing. Yeah. So we have to have real conversations about what's really going on. And we have to hold the powers to be the people that are over them accountable. Yeah. If you're abusing one of these children, if they come into the system and you're abusing them, then there needs to be consequences. It can't be swept under the rug. There needs to be consequences. And if you're going to make children, if you're going to make bad decisions that hurt children, you need to be held accountable. Mm. Just like we hold them accountable for our own children. If you think that the things that happen to these children, if they happen to the child you gave birth to, all hell would break loose. But because this is a susceptible population with no parents, we don't really care that much. But we should, because our children are coming in contact with these children, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so we have to have the conversations We and, and it's not gonna be easy and it's gonna be icky and it's not gonna be fun, but we have to deal with it. We have to tell the truth. And we have to start eating this elephant one bite at a time. Mm, yep. That is, wow. That's very true. So talk about the problem, recognize this is an everybody problem because we are at risk too, because we are creating dysfunction and dysfunction lives next door or down the street or where you get your groceries or whatever. Right. Um, and and there needs to be consequences for abuse. People need to be held accountable. And we also, it sounds like what you're saying, there needs to be real advocates for these children 
that have skin in the game like a parent would have. Yes. That's even possible. Yeah. It's not enough to go and get, you know, I feel for any of their, like the, we have DCS in Arizona, um, their protective agency, Mm -hmm. but to go get all the brand new bachelor degree social workers and put them in the field and they don't even have children or any real life experiences. And they're now over this huge caseload. These children are more than pieces of paper in a file drawer. Mm -hmm. They are. Yeah. 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 And then those people burn out very quickly too. So you give Mm -hmm. a young person with no experience, a massive caseload of trauma filled children, and then they burn out. And then it's this, it's, it's a cycle. There's, it sounds like there's so many different cycles going on and they're all going in the wrong direction. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just not, it's not right. It's just not fair. And so anybody. Well, no, it's not fair to anybody. And so that's why your work is so important because you specialize in these daycares where you can really help these children who are experienced trauma. So you kind of help to pick up the pieces as much as you can. I'm sure it's not a one size fits all in any way or a a, a guarantee that that will save them because it won't save them from future trauma right? But you're helping to provide a foundation. Is that, is that fair to say? It's helping to provide a foundation, but often the problem is like, we know in my, in, in, in my centers, like we have a one to four child ratio, a maximum of eight kids in the classroom of my early Head Start classrooms. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we're very big with continuity of care, keeping mm-hmm. that teacher there, um, letting that, ch- that child see the same consistent teacher. Oh. Right. Yeah. But we don't take these principles with our adoptive and foster care kids. Mm-hmm. At a minimum, we should understand child development, child psychology at a minimum. Well, and, and I, you know, that's, it's so interesting. I mean, that's what I teach parents because we don't know that naturally. You know, I, I I say at nauseam, you know, parenting is the hardest job we will ever do the most important job we will ever do. And we do it with zero understanding of development, of (laughs) brain science, right. Of, of, of even just emotional understanding, you know, Mm -hmm. that like a meltdown is not behavior. It's emotions out of control. Just simply that can save a lot of kids, you know, yeah. and parents. And, mm-hmm. and, and look, we, we aren't taught it. We don't know it. And that's why people like me exist. Not because you are not intelligent. It's just because we don't know, like how many years yeah. did you study to be in the, in, in the, even you in the work that you do, but how long did you study to be a parent? Like zero time. Right. We just think that we should know it. And then there's shame that we don't know it. There's shame when we struggle we hide it. Like you say, we sweep it under the rug when actually, if we just put our hand up and say, actually, I don't know it. It opens the door for all of us to say, you know, it does bring us together. If we can be vulnerable enough to say like, yeah, I I wish I knew this and I don't. And I, now I need help. You know, I want to say that is, um, I feel that reminds me of something that happened with my daughter, Mercy, that I describe in the book. One reason why I feel like my bond is so strong with her is because I'm not a perfect parent and I describe it. I'm very honest about like my, my errors in the book. 
But one thing I learned to do with mercy was apologize. You know, maybe I shouldn't have reacted that way. (laughs) And, and I remember she went, huh? And I was like, you know, I shouldn't have did that. I was in my own emotions. I had a bad day. I should not have did that to you. And I'm truly sorry. And she said that to me. She's like, mom, you apologize when you do something that's not right. Nobody's ever done that. And I'm like, I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect parent, but I don't want to hurt you. You know, I, I, I was like, I said, sometimes I need a nap and a timeout too. Yeah. <laughs> so, I love that. Oh my gosh. I might just make a social media post because that is just brilliant. I need a nap and a timeout, you guys. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, let's be honest, you have seven. So uh, that's, I mean, that's incredible. And, and what you're doing for these kids is just really beautiful. So two things I want to, I want to leave everybody with one is where do we find your book shattered? So my book shattered is on my website, JanelleJones.com. It's now available also on barnesandnoble.com and amazon.com. Fantastic. Beautiful. And actually I got one more. How is Mercy now? How is she today? She's still struggling a little bit. She's still struggling. We're still on our journey. Um, I am definitely struggling to get the services that I need for her. And that's, you know, a part of this. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing because we cannot, we, we're not getting what we need for these kiddos. And even with all of the additional resources I have, you know, I've emptied my bank accounts, right? Um, we still don't have what we need and it's still a fight. And that's what we have to talk about. Yeah. Well, and, and that, that is sort of my, 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 I would love for you to leave us with some parting words. You know, what, what do the people listening need to know? What can they do? What do you want them to know about the situation? You know, I think people really need to know the reality of what um, a adoptive and a foster care family goes through. Yes, there are great stories and there are, you know, ones that, you know, we do this to make change, positive impacts in children's lives. And so, yes, there are great ones, but the ones that are not great, we need to talk and we need to make a change. And you know, that's why I wrote my book. I didn't, it, I didn't write it to necessarily put my family's business out, even though <laughs> I do, I spill right? Yeah. I wrote it because we need people to understand what really happens and what can happen to the children and to the families, because it's more than just the impact of the child. It affects a typical family. It, 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 yeah. my book's called shattered for a reason. Mm. Um, and we need to we need to do something about it because it's having an effect on a lot of children and future generations even. We've got to do something. We've got to we've we can't be in the countries that we live in and and help everybody else, but not help our own children. Oh, I completely agree. I completely agree. We've got to take care of our own house first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and whether you, like, 
and whether you like it or not, it's going to impact you. And, you mm-hmm. know, this is called parenting our future. My, my podcast, because we are, these kids are our future and yeah. we better be really careful about how we're raising them because the stakes are getting higher and higher in, in, in this life, today's day and age, you know, there's a lot of things that our kids are facing that we need to make sure that they're, they're, they're the problem solvers of the future, you know? So, um, so this is so important and, and I, and, and really what, what you're saying is it's, it's an everybody problem. We've got to talk about it. We've got to talk to our elected officials about it. We've, whether you are a foster parent or not, whether you have experienced this or not, this is an important conversation to have. And we should all find a way to be a solution and not a complainer. And when you see these kids have some compassion, have some curiosity for them. Like, how come you seem so troubled? You know, what happened to you? Who did this to you? You know, nobody is born bad right? Kids have stuff. Kids are strong-willed. Kids can be difficult. Nobody started out this way. So what happened to you? Like, let's have compassion and curiosity. Yes. Well, thank you. And at a minimum, and at a minimum, heaven forbid that the way we raise these children is the way they take care of us in our, in our old age. Oh, Janelle. Whoa. Whoa. Bring that on home. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Enough said. Yeah, absolutely. Can can you imagine? Can you imagine? Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, Janelle, thank you so much. The book again is shattered and you can get it on JanelleJones.com. Of course, it'll be in the show notes everywhere that you can, um, you can connect with Janelle is in there. And I just want to thank you. You know, the world is definitely a better place for you being in it. And, you know, I think that, that our kids are a gift to us, even when they're difficult because they make us want to be better people. They make us wake up to our real life's purpose, I think too. And, uh, look at how many gifts mercy has brought to the world. So, you know, she deserves that appreciation too, you know, and, uh, and her life is valuable and is worth it, you know? So thank you, Janelle. Thank you for all that you've done and for sharing this with me. Thank you so much. And I, I just, I'm going to be thinking about you, thinking about mercy, all of your kids, just to, you know, just to, to, to hope that what needs to happen in their lives for their highest of good happens for them. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm Paracoach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, I would love it if you'd share it with someone who you think needs to hear this message too. And please don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I would be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. And if you like my content and want more, please visit my site, parentingforconnection.com, where you can find out more about my coaching, my courses, and all things parenting. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace, connection, and joy.